any time that the physician or NPP spends has to be on the date of service, not on another date of service. Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I'm your host, and I am very thrilled today to have people from Pinnacle Healthcare Consulting, uh, Andrea and Jody, uh, who are going to join us and talk about the advanced practice practitioners. So, um, Andrea, inter- introduce yourself and you know tell us uh, what your practice is about. Thanks, Bob. I'm happy to be here. I'm Andrea Ferrari. I am principal and general counsel at Pinnacle Healthcare Consulting. I'm fairly new to the organization, and I come uh, with about 25 years in healthcare, uh, including 15 years uh, in a consulting role uh, that focused on uh, physician compensation. And I am Jody Nayoski, and I am managing advisor for a subset of Pinnacle Healthcare, which is called Pinnacle Enterprise Risk Consulting Services. Uh, and I handle pretty much all of the primary uh, professional audit and consulting roles for for perks. We call it perks. Um, I have about the same as Andrea, about 25 years uh, in healthcare. I have worked in the compliance department of two fairly major uh, medical groups uh, and also uh, spent some time working for a blues plan. Um, So I'm going to focus this more from a coding and billing perspective. Sounds great. And um, so we're going to be talking about split and shared visits. So, uh, Jody, can you give us, you know, some um, background of what split shared visits are about? Yes, absolutely. So we're going to preface this conversation um, with a couple of things. Uh, we want to make sure that we understand what we're going to be talking about here really falls into two sets of guidelines, and they they intermingle here and they get a little bit confusing. Uh, But we want to talk about first that in January of 2023, uh, CMS AMA updated the E&M guidelines for all of the facility services to align to the E&M guidelines that changed in January 2021 for the outpatient. 
So those services now on the inpatient side or any facility side, we can use either a com uh, either a, a time spent with the patient or on their record or medical decision making for selecting the level of service. Okay, so that's one set of rules. The second set is the actual split shared guidelines. And those rules primarily dictate who bills for the service and the documentation that's required to support that. All right, so we've got the ENM guidelines for facility and we've got split shared guidelines. I'm gonna read the guideline that comes out of the uh, Medicare, Medicare Claims Processing Manual, Chapter 12. You guys are probably familiar with that one. And I'm gonna insert a little bit of information as I go. But a split or shared visit is an E&M service, that's evaluation and management, visit in the facility setting, all right? This does not apply to office, uh, but it applies to facility, which would be anything in the inpatient setting, emergency department, skilled nursing facility, and on or off campus outpatient hospital. Anything that's performed there in part by a physician and a non-physician practitioner. So the non-physician practitioner or NPP, you may have heard them um, referred to as APP, advanced practice uh, uh, practitioner. Those are your uh, physician assistants, uh, nurse practitioners, etc. So when the service is performed by both a physician and an NPP who are in the same group, right, that is important because you cannot have one of them employed by the hospital and the other one employed by a group. They both have to be in the same group. Yeah, and, and Jody, uh, that is a huge issue because sometimes physicians believe that if a hospital employs uh, an APP, then the services rendered by the APP can be used by the physician when the physician is rendering their services, whether it's a level one, two, or three. And that's incorrect. You got it, absolutely incorrect. Uh, we, we do see that quite a bit uh, on our side as well. So if the NPP is employed by the hospital as as almost a courtesy service yep. um, for, for the physicians. They cannot use their services or documentation to bill. They can have that NPP see the patient all day yep. long uh, and give them some insight, but they can't bill for their services. Yeah, and I have actually seen memos to physicians saying, we, we have an APP, use the APP, and you can use the APP for your direct patient care services and i'm i'm looking at the, those memos and going whoa <laughs> no you can't do that yeah 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 they can they just can't bill for it oh, correct <laughs> all right so we got to have them in the same group and then this statement is really uh is really telling and, and this again is coming directly from chapter 12 but it says okay so we're using both the physician and the npp um, in accordance with applicable law and regulations, such that the service could be billed by either the physician or NPP if furnished independently by only one of them. The takeaway from that statement is 
split shared is not meant to be similar to a resident service where the where the teaching physician can come in and just do a quick onesie twosie one two three and sign off and and go the the intention of split or shared service is really that that a collaboration is done by both of these practitioners and and truly a you're going to hear this term a lot but a substantive portion of the visit is performed and documented by the physician so it really is all about collaboration and not you know the the just the attestation type service that's performed uh, in a teaching setting so I, I would believe that the physician needs to be a, a material component of that examination, but, and we're going to get into this, um, but may not have spent the majority of time, you know, visiting the, the, the patient. That's correct. That's correct. So beyond that in split shared, Payment is going to be made to the, the practitioner uh, who performs, and again, here's that word, substantive portion of the visit. And I'm going to define that pretty clearly in, I think, the next question. But um, the substantive portion, if it's performed by an NPP and billed by the NPP, it's paid at 85% of the allowable fee schedule amount. Uh, if it's performed by the physician, it's paid at 100% of the allowable amount. So, of course, we sit back and we say, well, great, we want to we wanna use the physician. We want to get paid at that 100%. We all know that anything the government does, if they're going to pay you more money, there's going to be some conditions to that. Uh, and, and those are really the documentation uh, requirements. So we'll talk about those. But the documentation, and this is key as well, has to reflect the identity of both the physician and the NPP. And the person who is signing, uh, sorry, the person who is billing for the visit, the substantive provider, has to be the one that signs it. And I do see that being missed quite often, and that if the NPP kind of performs and documents the majority of of the details in there, um, and he or she might sign the cert, might sign the record, and then the MD might come in, put an addendum in that that shows he was there. Uh, that may not always get reflected in the signature piece, so that's an, an important. Um, and again, the the reason for all of this really is is the collaborative practice. Physicians were getting burnt out, um, you know, huge levels of burden especially when we had all the documentation requirements, you know, to document those history and exam elements was quite lengthy, as you probably know. Uh, and, and so so we went to this kind of collaborative care delivery model uh, that, that patients really benefited from. So the, the time-based issue is going to be an issue going forward. And I think that uh, for people who are listening to Stark Integrity, we need to understand there, there's got to be some mechanism that the hospital is going to apply uh, in order to determine what services were rendered by the APP versus the services rendered by the physician. 
And again, I'm probably going to jump to a more conservative approach, and that is maybe we we bill all these services under the APP, which is probably not in the hospital's best interest. So, yeah, any reaction from either of you? You're going to find facilities going one one way or the other, right? They either stop using NPPs or uh, APPs, or they they just go to the place where we only you know use their services and and let the physicians do other things. Um, but let's talk about maybe the the documentation requirements and and what the change is, if that works for everybody. Yep. Yep. Okay. So so prior prior to 2022, the the documentation requirements for split shared were were fairly I don't want to say simple but compared to what we're going to they they were simple and that was uh the the physician had to see the patient so there had to be a face-to-face -face visit between the physician and the patient and then they could document we still used that term substantive portion of the visit but that that was had, I think, a looser interpretation uh, than it does now, in that we often saw notes that the physician would say, you know, saw the patient, he presented with chest pain, uh, you know, his troponin was whatever it was, and we're going to admit him for you know, cardiac cath. And that really was enough to, to justify that he saw the patient and, and participated in their care. In November of 2021, when the 2022 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule final rule came out, uh, CMS said that starting in January of 2023, that split shared visits, the, the substantive portion was now going to be defined as more than half of the total time of the service. And so if you think about that, just even the, the workflow uh, doesn't make any sense uh, because what's the point of having the APP or the NPP if you're not able to, as a physician, you know, use their time, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and, and rarely would a physician be spending more than more than half the time with the patient. So we saw uh, in in March of 2022, a letter go out from, there were 47 physician organizations that signed this letter that went to CMS that basically said, uh, no, you, you can't do this. And, and they, they did in fact delay the implementation of that until 2024. So that delay came out in July uh, of 2022. The letter basically said that going to, to more than half the total time is essentially going to kill our collaborative approach. Yep. Um, and it's going to almost pit physicians and the NPPs against one another. You know, who's going to bill for this service? Who's going to get the credit? Especially if they're paid on RVUs, you know, or have some kind of bonus structure in, in their um, compensation agreements. Um, and, and that was really going to be uh, a huge issue. And they also talked about how 
it's it's either going to go one of two ways. The physician will not be recognized for the role in that patient's care. Therefore, you know, the the NPP or the APP is only billing for the service and and only seeing the patient. Or they 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 indicated the the APP would not be able to practice to the top of their license. Hmm. And that was an interesting statement for me. Um, and, and what I kind of boiled that down to is, and in no uncertain, you know, just kind of terrible way to say it, but the NPPs are going to be relegated to grunt work. Yep. You know, the physicians are going to be doing all of the the visits and the NPPs are only going to be doing post-op care or only going to be, you know, just doing the stuff that doesn't really get credit and, and their license does allow them to practice it at a pretty high level. So I thought, I think that those are are really the the concerns uh, that came up and why CMS did did delay the change until 2024. Yeah, and, and there's multiple aspects to this. Uh, you know, one is, you know, the patient. You know, is the patient getting good quality care because of this issue? Secondly. I think that we need to be, you know, concerned about how do we compensate the professionals that are involved in this process, whether it be the uh, the APP or the physician, and which is, you know, the other issue for this episode is to talk about how do we compensate physicians, even if we're going to be looking at a time perspective. The physician is not spending greater than 50%. But the physician is a material component of that service. And how do we compensate that physician for their participation, even though the bill is not going under their provider number? Yeah, that's going to be the the million-dollar question and sometimes multiple million-dollar question. (laughs) Exactly. The actual rules that we have for 2023 uh, are a little bit more intense than than what we saw it prior to 2022, really. Um, and they are the, the we're going to select the level of service based on either medical decision making or time. Mm-hmm. And that rule again is the EM rule. But if we're going to allow it to be billed under the physician, that physician does have to spend, have to still document the substantive portion. And we've now defined that a little bit more clearly. The substantive portion is that the provider or that the physician has to document the entirety of one of the elements that would support the level of service. Those elements are still history, exam, and medical decision-making. Yep. So even though we're selecting the level of service based on medical decision-making, how we select who it's going to be billed under is now if the physician has documented a substantive portion of either the history, exam, or medical decision-making, we can bill under the physician. That's a little bit confusing, of course, because if the physician, for some reason, and usually they don't, but if they choose history as their component and they choose the highest level of inpatient service, 
they're going to have to document a fairly high amount of history. It does not equate to a comprehensive comprehensive history anymore because that piece has been removed, but it is a, a medically appropriate history for a level three service. So you're going to expect as the levels get higher, the amount that the physician has to document is going to be uh, uh, higher, you know, the volume of documentation or the the quality of documentation is going to have to be more as we get to a higher level of service. Yeah, but and I think still, the compensation issue from the doctor's perspective is time, right? Well, it will be. So so right now we're still compensating the way that we have. You know, if if the physician indicates that he's done the substitute portion, we're billing under the physician. And I, I think compensation is ha happening the same way that it has in the past, which is, as Andrea said earlier, basically, yeah, if they build for it, they're going to get the credit for it. If this goes into effect in 2024, then that's where we're going to really have these these problems because how do you identify how how do you effectively identify who has spent more than 50% of the total visit time? Correct. You know, are, are they supposed to carry stopwatches? Are they? You know, they're going to have a lot of questions as yeah. physicians typically do. So, Jody, what split shared activities count toward total time under the new rule? Yeah, so this one is is going to be somewhat interesting. So so we have to remember that that we've got a couple new rules that we're working with. One is the new E&M rule. And so that's the the what happened in January of 2023, where we are now able to select the code based on medical decision making or time. And that's the rule where we where we figure out what elements are included in time. And that's going to be anything that happens really before the visit while you're reviewing the chart. So going in and looking at the medical history or looking at uh, any um, diagnostic studies. So any of that will count. Your actual face-to-face -face visit with the patient, if you perform one, uh, it's important to remember that in the these split share guidelines, the the both providers do not have to see the patient, uh, and the provider who sees the patient does not have to be the one who bills for the service. And as a coder and an auditor, that just blows my mind. But that is the rule right now. Yep. So anything before the visit, the actual face-to-face, -face, uh, and and time you spend after the visit on the documentation or or ordering studies, if you have to call the patient or call the family, um, you know, any coordination of care, that all counts. Caveat is as long as it is done on. Uh, before midnight on the date of service. Mm -hmm. So anything that you do after that date of service or before the date of service does not count. And we're seeing that become an issue because we have a lot of providers who maybe um, 
you know, the night before start reviewing their patients and they, they've got everything that they want to do or they don't get to charting until the next couple of days. And then they call the provider and call whoever was doing the testing. Um, and unfortunately, that is not going to count towards time. So a lot of that coordination of care that happens after the visit is is not really going to is not going to count. And that's also going to be hard to to get from a workflow perspective, you know, in, in looking at this kind of from the, from the future, you, you kind of start to see how this would be efficient. And, and we just don't see really that the physician would be spending more time than the APP. We would probably expect to see less services build under the MD, more under the APP, your facility and your state guideline would have to dictate the level of supervision that the MD needs to to dedicate to the APP. And then how that's going to be compensated is really going to be the question. And I think you guys are going to dive into that into the next the next episode. So if you would permit me to give my three points here. I would love that. Okay, here we go. So kind of the, 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 to summarize here what we talked about, obviously, we're in a pause right now. The guidelines may not, well, won't go into effect until at least January of 2024, and, and we're still early in the year and that things can potentially change. So one, the time guidelines are not in effect yet as far as who bills the substantive portion of the visit. A uh, number two, the documentation that the billing physician has to document now must be substantive, and that substantive portion is defined as the entirety of one of the elements that would support the level of service, right? So it's more than just an attestation. And then number three uh, would be that any time and this this will apply to any EM service uh, but any time that the physician or NPP spends has to be on the date of service not on another date of service thank you that is a great wrap up for this episode and look forward to the next episode i hope you enjoyed this episode of stark integrity the stark law and compliance podcast if you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.